and we are live welcome to game breakers everyone your host edwin back again you know what time it is everyone it is friday freaky friday i'm just saying hey it is what it is but you know what that means you get to earn your cold iced drink i'm not sure what you drink but if it's water if it's soda, if it's anything regarding some wine, some whiskey, some Casamigos, some Henny, some juice, I don't care. As long as you're of age, I don't really care. But anyways, I hope everyone is doing great out there. I hope you guys are having a fun-filled Friday. We are now going into the weekend, so you know what that means, some more fun. But always remember to keep on grinding and keep on doing your thing. And obviously, as you can tell, Will is not here once again. You know, I'm not sure about this load management that he's doing this entire season, but it's, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. You know, you're not Kawhi. You're not Paul George. You're not LeBron James. Well, you know, so if you're listening to this, stop the load management. Stop it. Just joking. I know my guy is busy. But anyways, let's get straight into it because you guys know me, man. I'm all about my business. I'm all about my 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 plans of what I have to talk about. And boy, do we have a lot to get into. And let's start off with some Thursday night football, Saints and Cardinals. So what do we have here, right? The Cardinals and Saints, both evenly matched teams last night for the most part. 42 to 34 was the final score line for the match. But I must say, though, everything that I pretty much called to happen, for the most part, happened. I, I called the Cardinals to win that game, which they did. Um, I did notice that the Saints were able to move the football well enough. And we'll get to that later on as we go on. But from the Cardinals standpoint, welcome back, DeAndre Hopkins. You guys can see, and we all can see, the big difference he has when he is on the field. Not suspended, he's on the field and he's doing his thing. There was so much that we thought would come into this game as far as just chemistry issues, which they already had before. But, you know, the timing that wasn't there before, now how would it look like in a real-life game situation? And Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins delivered. These guys, it looked like they have not missed a beat, and they played really, really well last night. They really did. I must say he made a couple of good catches, a couple of of nice route-running ability to get free. Mostly it was Chris Harris that was was trying to guard him last night, couldn't really hold him at at all. But for the most part, though, Kyler Murray did his thing. And I also have to put this there in the air, too. You know, Good afternoon, by the way, to everyone except for Zach Ertz. Because Zach Ertz, you, my friend, lost me my bet last night. And yes, you lost it. Not Kyle Murray. You lost it. Why? Because we gave you four targets. You caught two. One of them was tipped at the line of scrimmage, so I'm not going to blame that on you. But there was one where, as a top tight end, huh? As a top tight end of your caliber, you should be making that catch. You didn't make that catch. And for that reason... You ended the night with 21 yards when I bet on you for 25 yards. What a shame. Could have won some money. I could have been a millionaire by now, guys. But because Zach Ertz wants to ruin my night, you now I'm in the same situation as I was before. Broke. <laughs> but anyways, continuing about the game, um, you, we saw that the, the Saints came out hot, right? They came out here, and they wanted to make an imprint on the game, okay? Had a touchdown. Long pass to Shahid, who has been playing really well the past two weeks, has scored two touchdowns in the past two games, so good for him. Um, you got back Chris Olave. He was a big factor in the passing game last night. 
You saw how explosive he was last night for the Saints in the passing game. But Andy Dalton, though, Andy Dalton cost them that game. Three interceptions, all two of which were his fault. You know, one, the red zone was late. You can't throw late in the red zone at all. You can't throw late over the middle at all. And it looked like in that play specifically, there was nothing on that play. There was nothing. I mean, the play was was pretty much blanketed, and we have him picked off by Hamilton. Hamilton picked it off really well, but there was no inch of space, in my opinion, of that ball being completed. Maybe if you threw the ball a little bit earlier, but either way, I think the worst or the best case scenario for the Saints would be it gets knocked down. But there was nothing on that play for me. And then, to, to make matters worse, you're down, what is it? You're down 14, no, no, the game is tied 14-14 to at that point. Marquez Callaway doesn't catch the ball cleanly. It gets tipped up in the air, picked off, returned to the house. That, that is not on Andy Dalton's fault. But what is his fault is he, he waits a little bit too long on the ensuing drive, and this right here is where it just takes the whole entire the whole entire atmosphere out for the Saints. Like, it takes everything out for the Saints. You know, it's a gut punch. Because to have back-to-back pick sixes is very demoralizing. Very demoralizing. I, you can't win any game like that. You just can't. So, we, we talk about J.J. Watt, and J.J. Watt was a big disruptor on that play. He was a big disrupting force all of last night because this guy was everywhere. Tipping passes, getting in the backfield, sacks. He forced the, I believe he forced the, the the throw late over the middle that was picked off by Isaiah Simmons, who then took it to the house. Now, instead of going to the half, worst case scenario, 14 all, you're down 28-14. Yeah, that, 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 that to me is terrible. And the game was never the same at that point. Never the same. You know, you come out, you try to make things happen. Um, in the in the second half, get a field goal. But ultimately, though, the Cardinals moved the ball pretty well. Had a couple of big running plays in that game too. I must give credit to where it's due because I did not expect the Cardinals to run the football as well as they did last night. But they did run the football as well last night. Eno Benjamin had 92 yards last night. Was not expecting that. Also, by the way, Keontae Murray did his job. You know, Keontae Ingram. Not no, not not Keontae Murray. Kyler Murray. I don't know what am I saying, Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray did his job on the ground, you know, 30 yards. But Keontae Ingram had a nice touchdown as well, too, in that game. So great job by them. And from the Saints standpoint, you know, I called them to lose this game. But if you can recall, I did say that if there was any game to win, it, this is a must-win game. Why? Because the Cardinals are, are home, but they are not playing the best kind of football right now. So this would be the best chance to take advantage of their uh, iniquity or uh, of their inability to play good football. But because the Saints came into this matchup with all these injuries, you know, you still didn't have Michael Thomas, still didn't have Jarvis Landry, still didn't have Marshall Lattimore, all these different players are out. And the defense, once again, underperformed. You cannot miss the amount of tackles that you did in last night and expect to win that football game. You just cannot. And we have been seeing this recurring factor for this defense the entire season, notably in games where they had a chance to win, but they end up losing. You were in the Carolina game. You were you were not far off, but the 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 the, the touchdown that was given up to Chanel pushed the game away. Obviously, you were leading last week against the Bengals at home, but you let Jamar Chase break two tackles, and the game is pretty much over. This time around, it was a case of gem, them just missing tackles the entire night for me. And once you give up these tackles and you let these guys get extra yards, extra yak yards, 
it makes the situation much more easy for the offense to score points, which they did last night. Put up 42 on your defense. So it, it's, it's, it's a shame. It's shambles for Dennis Allen because he I know he is or definitely can be a good defensive coordinator and has proven that in the past. But for what it's worth, his defense has not come up to play. I mean, you have some talent on that defense. Marcus May, the Honey Badger, has not been playing well this entire season. Damar Davis, Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport. I, I don't understand why. What, what is going on? What is going on? Seriously, can someone tell me what is going on? But either way, though, it's a, it's a loss for the Saints. To me, that puts them out the reach for a playoff spot. Maybe, possibly, it can still happen, but I don't believe it's going to happen, guys. It's over. At 2-5, and five, there's nothing really that you can overcome at this point in time of the season to really make a, a case for yourself to make the playoffs. Even though the NFC is not the best right now, but still, 2-5 and five is a hard, hard record to overcome for me. It really is. So, Saints 2-5, and five, Cardinals 3-4, and four, maybe, just maybe. And you guys know me. I'm not a big believer in the Cardinals, but is this the win that puts them back into relevancy for trying to make the playoffs this season? Possibly. I mean, you have D-Hop back. You had something flowing last night, so maybe you could build upon that. But maybe, just maybe, and the division is still up for grabs now, too. So don't get that twisted. But to me, the Cardinals are still the third best team in the division. So I don't think they're going to make any much noise. But we'll see, though. We will see. All right. So now let's move on to some big trades and trade requests. Starting off with CMC, traded to the 49ers. Uh, the Panthers got some good capital for G- CMC, I must say. And by the way, for grade purposes, I'm going to give the Carolina Panthers an A. I'll give the Niners a B. I, I, you know you know what's funny, guys? When I first saw this trade, I, I was like, you know, I'm not too confident in this trade really being a, a great piece for the, the Niners as people make it the seem. And, uh, yes, we talk about CMC. We talk about how great he is on the field and whatnot. But I was looking at everything else to factor in. Right, he's an injured running back, or he has a history of being injured. And on top of that, he's going into a system where I don't I don't know if the running back position is as valued as we think it is. Yes, we know that they value the running backs, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that later, but they don't really need a top tier running back to make this system work. And they are the the peak of what we have been seeing in the past of you don't really need star running backs to make your offense work. You need solid, good running backs to make sure that you have a chance to make something happen on the ground. But for them, you know, Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell, these guys right here were doing the job enough for me to be like, okay, they don't really need a a running back in that department. But we look at how they value the running back position and they have valued it a lot. I mean, they have given up if here, according to my notes, a second round pick of three third round picks a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick. All of that was for running backs. All of that. Since 2021, they have given up all that for running backs. So we can tell that they value the running back position as much as we think they do. They love it. But then I thought and I realized that CMC is going to come into this situation, and he's not going to be the workhorse back in this system. He's not going to be a player that is going to be relied upon for 20 to 25 carries, 25 touches a game, as he was in Carolina. Because in Carolina, we don't have anything else other than CMC. Maybe DJ Moore, 
but that's about it. You know, you sprinkle in a little Robbie Anderson back in the day, but that's about it. There was nothing else there. But now, coming into a Shanahan offense where he knows how to utilize this entire package of what he does so, so well, and he knows how to utilize players such as CMC, which is still a perfect fit. Don't get me wrong. It's a perfect fit. Because now you get CMC, and he's a guy that can run the ball at the backfield. Um, he can catch the ball at the backfield, which they do value a lot. A lot of these bubble screens, a lot of these screens in general, they rely on the safety valve. And you don't make this move unless you are trying to make a Super Bowl run. You know, like they believe that they have the team at their uh, ability to make a run right now. And I agree, they do. If we get the team healthier, then it's definitely possible. Definitely. Because say what you want about Jimmy G. He can still make the throws required enough for them to win games. And as long as you have that great defense in front of you, like they did similar to about, what, three years ago, two years ago, they can still replicate that same kind of success in the future. And they're a team that, 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 that does not thrive on winning at home. They could win anywhere, in my opinion. You saw it last year. Beat the Cowboys on the road, beat the Packers on the road. We're this close to beating the Rams, quote-unquote, on the road in L.A. But when you look at CMC, he's a perfect fit. And you have a guy like CMC, you add him to Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Jeff Wilson, Elijah Mitchell when he comes back. These are all interchangeable parts that could work out for the offense, and now it makes them so much more dangerous to the point where you don't know who is getting the ball. Who is getting the ball? We're going to line up Debo and CMC in the backfield. Now we have to account for two guys that could burn us on this play, on one play alone. Guys that can take the ball, catch the ball, I mean, yeah, at the backfield for maybe two yards at first, break one tackle, break another tackle, and then we're gone for a touchdown. That's how serious it can be. And you have to fight off teams such as the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, and 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 and, and ultimately this whole entire scheme of things, this could work out for them. It really can. And once again, you don't make this move happen unless you believe in your team enough to make a Super Bowl run, which they can do. When they get healthy, I've already said this in the past, they are the best team on paper in the NFC West by far. It's not the Rams anymore. It's not. And they have the Rams number, by the way, too, with or without injuries, apparently. So they have a team there. And you have one of the best offensive-minded head coaches in the game right now. So, yes, this is a good move for them. And before, I thought the grade was a B-. minus. I bumped up to a B plus because they're not going to rely on CMC to have the workload that he did in Carolina, which should bode well for him because he will now have less of a chance to get injured, in my opinion. You know, less time on the field means you're less chances of getting injured as possible. So I, I like the move for the, the Niners. I do. And for the Panthers, I mean, we all knew that this is a move for rebuilding stages and whatnot. This team needs a lot of depth. This team needs a lot of holes to be filled. This team needs players and playmakers. So, of course, trading a guy like CMC to the Niners, you know, getting a second-round pick two for him for his injury history is great value for me. Getting a third-round pick two is great value for me. Getting a fourth-round pick is a guy that you could bring in for the training camp, have him work out, and if you draft well enough, he could potentially be a starter for your team. Good value for me. And for the Niners' standpoint, yes, the reason why I gave this grade a B- minus at first was in addition to the injury history, you're giving up pieces that, you know, 
I don't know if they can win now, but they believe they can win now. But it's still pieces that I believe can be developed because we've seen in the past that Kyle Shanahan can develop these players. They are good at drafting players. So, you know, whether or not you want to keep these players in the future and draft them, we'll come back to back you if it all doesn't work out. But what I do know is that having CMC on your team brings another element that people have to account for now, which can make you more dangerous in the passing game, in the running game, everywhere, more dangerous. And if there's any guy that can make this work, it is definitely Kyle Shanahan. Definitely Kyle Shanahan. Moving on, Elijah Mitchell, not Elijah Mitchell, I'm, all, I'm drawing a blank here. Elijah Moore has requested for a trade from the New York Jets. This is, this is so stupid. This is so dumb. Guys, as a guy, as a fan, as a watcher, a loyal patriot, no patriots in the NFL I'm talking about. I'm talking about as loyal, as loyal for the New York Jets. I like Elijah Mitchell. I Elijah Mitchell. Why keep saying Elijah Mitchell? I like Elijah Moore. He's a nice receiver. He's a young stud that I believe can be a building block for this team moving forward. But boy, what was this guy thinking? Now, before I give my take on this, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer everyone's statements about oh, put just put yourself in his shoes. What if you were the one trying to protect your family and whatnot and get the contract and he has been underwhelmingly used in this system? I get all of that. I get all those concerns. But I must say, guys, take this into consideration. If you wanted a promotion and you wanted some more uh, usage and it's only a second year in that job, in that role, what makes you think that throwing a tantrum, publicly saying that you want to trade or you want some more in, in this situation, you want you want some more work, public, publicly saying that, what makes you think that that's going to help you get what you want? And I feel like this has something to do with him just being as young as he is because it was a rash decision. It was very rash. He did not think this through. I, I'm convinced he did not. Because as a fan, right, watching from the sidelines, why ask for this now? And I get what people may say. Oh, well, the, tra- the trade deadline is in two weeks. Two weeks. We have two more weeks left. Bro, please. It's not about the trade deadline. It's about his time frame in the NFL from when he was drafted up until now. And what I've seen is that he has proven nothing so far. We are all hyped as Jets fans because of his potential, but not because of what he has done, okay? Yes, he had some good weeks last year, but don't forget, he was injured a couple of games. He's only played 17 games so far, including this year. So I want to ask you, Elijah Moore, did you really think this through? Did you really think this through? Because what a big distraction this proves for this team right now. And what you are telling me, what Will was telling me too, I'm going to call him out too because that's my guy, but I'm going to call him out because he wanted to call me out on Twitter about it pretty much, talking about, oh, guys want to play well and they, they care more about their stats than their team victories and whatnot because they want to find a way to get the best contract for themselves in the future. Well, my response to that is teams typically don't give rookie negotiations and contract extensions until about their third year. 
So off of that merit, was this the best time to say that you want to have more of a better role in the system, in the offense, and whatnot? And was this the best way to do it? That's my first question. And secondly, are you a me guy or are you a team player? Because from what I've seen, we are four and two. We are a winning team right now. It'd be a little bit different if we were losing games and you weren't getting the ball as much. But according to me, though, you care more about your stats more than winning games. That's what that's what I'm hearing right now. Because why would a guy care right now in his second season, guys? Second season. Every Jet fan, listen to me when I'm saying this. In your second season, why would you care more about your stats and your usage in what you do on the field as opposed to winning games? To me, that's selfish. It is selfish. And I get it what people may say and what may, they may continue to say about he wants to have the best financial situation possible in the future. I say to that, there are different ways to go about that. You could have pulled Matt LaFleur to the side. You could have pulled your QB to the side, whoever. I don't know, whoever. Talk to somebody and say, listen, this is how I'm feeling about the situation. I want more playing time, this, that, and the third. You saw that we, we've seen Quentin Williams on the sideline yell at his defensive coordinator about not using blitzes anymore to try and get to the QB. And what happened ever since then, we blitz less. Did he publicly say that he wants to be traded? No, of course not. But he had a conversation, and yes, it wasn't a sideline. It wasn't public for people to see regardless. But he talked to his coordinator. I wonder, did Elijah Moore talk to his coordinator? Did he talk to him on the sideline and ask him about his usage, his role, his possibility of being more efficient in the offense? And Elijah Moore, like, think about this, bro. Like, bro, this is what you signed up for. Seriously, and I was so pissed off when I found out about this. Yo, this is what you signed up for. You signed up to play football. You didn't sign up about your role and whatnot. When you get drafted, you rescind every right for the most part, for the most part, on which team that drafts you. So whatever team that drafts you, you have no say for the most part because you are a rookie. You're trying to prove yourself, right? You have really much no say and how you want to be used. They draft you on how you want on how they want their offense to be used based off of what you have shown in college. So for that being said, I don't understand where this is coming from in this time frame. This early into the season, six games, guys, six games into the season, we're talking about this trading. I mean, come on now. What distractions do we need at this point in time when we're winning games? And Elijah Moore, once again, think about this. We have played teams in the past that have struggled to stop the run and for the most part have been good at the passing game, as in defending the pass. Packers, even next week against the Broncos, will be facing a top five passing secondary. So what do you really expect the game plan should be? I don't understand. Zach Wilson just came back from injury. He's trying to get back on his footing. He's trying to get better. He's still a young QB. What do you really expect? Did you expect him to come out and light everything up coming back coming back from injury as opposed to what you were getting from Joe Flacco in weeks one through three? Like, yo, these guys don't be thinking sometimes. 
They really don't. And I, 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 it's sad to say because he is a he's a Jets player and I support him. But come on now. Come on. We don't need selfish teammates. We don't need selfish players. We don't need selfish people on our team. We really don't at this point in time. And, you know, for all those people that are saying that we should trade him and whatnot, bro, we didn't even trade Denzel Mims. And Denzel Mims is a year older, at least in the league, and he, he's, he's a healthy scratch every week. So what makes you think that we're going to trade Elijah Moore if we didn't trade Denzel Mims? Did you guys forget he's a second-round pick, too? He's a second-round pick, too, same as Elijah Moore. So if we didn't trade him, we definitely damn sure not trading Elijah Moore. But what hurts me the most is that he is now not playing this game on, and, and on Sunday in Denver, which means that our offense for the moment has a hole that it shouldn't have had because of him being selfish. So now I'm not saying it's possible that we still that we still lose this game, which it is still possible, obviously. But I'm not saying that we do lose this game regardless. But what I'm saying is that it's now a chance of us not looking the same on the field because he's not going to be there, which is another distraction that we don't need right now. We are trying to build momentum. We have momentum right now. So why the hell would you have to say this at this point in time? And that's what people don't understand. The timing is wrong. The timing is absolutely wrong. Okay. And for a young team, we don't need selfish players at this point in time. We need people to buy into the system of what Rabasala is trying to instill in these players. And from what is worth, it's working right now. It's working, guys. It is working. So why fix it? Why change it if it's working? You know, obviously the passing game will take off in the future because we can't continue to run the football every single week. We're not, we're not the Browns, you know. We, we are not that kind of team. And we have Zach Wilson for a reason. We don't want him to manage games. We want him to play to his strengths, get his footing, figure things out, and then when we have the chance to do so, we take some big shots downfield. So be patient. That's all I ask for. Be patient, man. Be patient. I don't want to see us run the football every week to win games. I mean, I want to see us win games, but I also want to see, is Zach Wilson the guy? But I'm willing to be patient while we're winning games. But apparently, Moore is not willing to do that. Selfish, man. Selfish, selfish, selfish. I don't get it. I don't get it. And, yo, everyone who's talking about the money, screw that, bro. Screw that. Because if you want the money, be a team player first. If you want the, the bread in the future, be a team player first. You know, things could be worked out off of a simple conversation and off of being professional, which is the biggest thing, professionalism. Professional, professionalism, being professional, professionalism. That's what I was trying to say. Because once you are professional, there's no reason why you can't have any leverage as far as just trying to get the conversation of what you want in the future for your money's sake. But now the Jets and other teams included who would want to have Elijah Moore on their team will not have this doubt in their mind about how is he really going to mess with the locker room considering that he wanted to trade, he wanted to be traded, sorry, in his second year of football, six games in. We're not even halfway through the season yet. Six games in, guys. Six games in. That, to me, is embarrassing. And if we lose on Sunday, 
based off of the passing game, as far as just, you know, Denzel Mims not catching the football or other receivers who are not supposed to be playing, catching the football and dropping it, I'm going to be upset. I'll be really upset. So let's hope we can get past this as a franchise, and let's hope we can still win on, on Sunday. But to me, that was uh, that was called for to be very, very selfish, and it, will, it really was. That shouldn't have been called for. It should not have been. Should have thought that through, Elijah Moore. Should have thought that through. Anyways, let's move on. Finally, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Guys, it's time for the NFL Week 7 picks. Yes, sir. All right. So I'm going to go through all these rapidly. Um, I don't want to waste too much time here. Starting off with the Jets. Jets and Broncos. Um, I'm picking my Jets to win this game. I am. Russell Wilson has It's been confirmed that Russell Wilson is now questionable to play that game, which means a hampered Russell Wilson offense that's not getting going that has no running game i don't know what people see in this running game but it's not it's not there it's not they didn't even run the ball against the chargers last week the against the chargers they didn't run the did, yo that's the one thing you should do and you didn't even do that so yes the jets once again and you know this this passing offense for the broncos is not there either it's sucky it's dick and dunk Russell Wilson, now that he won't be able to move around in the pocket as well as he probably should, that may bode well for us. So I'm going with the Jets, and it will be a slugfest too, by the way, because don't forget that Broncos defense is definitely top five, top two, top one possibly. But what I will say is that we have just enough to get into Denver and to win this football game. So, yeah, I'm going Jets uh, 20 to 16. It might be a little bit more sloppier than that. I might say 16 to probably uh, 10. But either way, though, I don't see a way that we lose this game unless we just find a way to turn the football over and not be efficient on offense as far as just, you know, because last week we didn't make any blunders on offense as far as just turning the ball over and making some bad plays, fumbling, throwing picks. We didn't do any of that. So if we continue to do that, I don't see how we lose this game. But if we do do that, if Zach Wilson has these blunders of being careless with the football, that is the only way the Broncos will win this football game for me. But I'm going with the Jets, though. J-E-T-S. J-E-T-S. Let's go. Falcons and Bengals. You know, Bengals are favored by 6.5. I'm going to take the Falcons spread here. I really am. Here's why. The Falcons, for me every single week have found a way to manage the football game. If you guys have realized this in the past, and Arthur Smith has done a great job of this, they have managed the football game pretty well. And on top of that, this team has not been blown out yet. Has not been blown out yet. What does that mean? Yes, they are three and three, but they know how to keep in striking distance to the point where they can make their move. Now, will they beat the Bengals on the road? Possibly not. But as far as, as just taking the spread, I think this game will be really close. I, I think so. I really think it will be. Mariota has proven to make some plays with his legs. I'm not sure the Bengals defense can contain him that way. They have found something on the running game once again. And if they can run the ball against the freaking Niners last week, they damn sure can run the football against the Bengals this week. Come on now. Now, the only thing is that the Falcons secondary is pretty, is pretty trash, aside from A.J. Terrell. So the Bengals can have their shots there, one-on-one matchups in that department. But either way, I think this game is going to be close. I'm going to go 20 to 21, um, but it will be really close for me. Really, really close. Lions and Cowboys and Dak Prescott's 
debut for this, you know, uh, return. I can't say debut. And his return for this season. Uh, I think that the Lions are coming in in a bad matchup problem because that defense is still very much scary, the Dallas Cowboys at least. And the Lions defense is scary too because they give up a, they give up a lot of points. It's scary to the point where I'm not sure what we're going to get from them. Are we going to get 25-plus points, 35-plus points, 40-plus points? I don't know. That's how they're scary. But for the Cowboys' sake, 6.5 favorites, I think they cover that spread. Guys, to me, this might be a blowout. Why? Because for the Lions, they can move the football through running the football. But will they have the opportunity to run the football is the question I ask. And on top of that, we know Jared Goff has been playing well this year, aside from these past two weeks of him just not playing the best. But what I do realize is that they have a tendency to be too aggressive at times, which can bode well in the Cowboys' favor. And two, the passing game for the Lions can also bode well for the Cowboys. We saw last week, once the Eagles started to pass the football, the Cowboys started to play much better defense. Once they ran the football, the Cowboys were not in the game as much anymore. So I don't think that the Lions have uh, – they have a top five line still, but am I confident they can come on the road here and do enough to move the football consistently? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So I'm going to go Cowboys 27-13, to 13, uh, but we'll see what happens in that game, definitely. And we'll see exactly how well Dak Prescott plays compared to Cooper Rush. And I think he will play well, considering we are going up against a Lions defense that is pretty much bad. Pretty much bad. Let me read you guys some stats under Aaron Glenn so far. Points per game, 31st in last year, 32nd this year. Yards per game, last year 29th, this year 31st. Yards per play, 29th last year, 31st this year. Yards rushing game, yards rushing yards per game, sorry, 28th last year, 30th this year. Passing yards, per game 24th last year 27th this year sack rate 27th last year 30th this year third down conversion 29th last year 31st this year and obviously this was a couple weeks ago so things were starting to change but they're still very much in the bottom half of the league (laughs) so yeah it's not gonna be good showing for them this sunday rolling around Colts and titans titans are favored by 2.5 and i think that they will cover this spread the Colts, to me, yes, you had a miraculous win against the Jaguars last week. But once again, the Jaguars got ahead of themselves. They played too aggressive once again. And Doug Peterson is not doing the best at this point in time. But it took a miraculous, a miraculous effort to come back in that game for me. And they're going up against a team that has their number. The Titans. The Titans at home or away, they have the number. They, they call these guys anytime they want to. The Colts will pick up. <laughs> they will pick up any time. That is what they do when it comes to the Tennessee Titans. So for this instance, they're coming off of a bye, which is probably the most important for me because you have that that extra freshness. You have that extra rest to be able to get ready for this game. And for that being said, I think the Titans win this game 24-20. to 20. Uh, But we'll see what happens, though. You know, I, I, I do believe that Matt Ryan will still play good enough to, to make some plays because he did play well last week. He did play well the last time around when he did play the Titans. But Derrick Henry is still going to be pounding them, boys. They do have a boost. They do get back Jonathan Taylor, which should be a boost for them. But do I think he's going to come back and affect the game 
right off an injury, ah, you know, it's a it's a it's a flip for me. It's a 50-50 chance. I'm not sure if I'm gonna take that chance. So I'm going with the Titans here. 24 to 20. Packers and Commanders, two sucky offenses, two guys that you know we're not really confident about. Ron Rivera, Nathaniel Hackett, not Nathaniel Hackett, sorry, Matt LaFleur. Uh we're not confident at all. I'm really not. But the big thing for the Packers is that another game where they should probably be favoring mostly and winning probably in this game against a team that is starting Taylor Haneke, who was a baller, made a couple of plays, but quickly faded away. Um, but they're going on the road this time. It really doesn't matter to me at this point in time. The biggest thing in this game is the commander's front. They have proven to get some pressure in the past couple of weeks. It has come to life, but I wonder, will that be enough to change the outlook of the game? I don't think so. Either way, because both offenses suck and because the Packers have an edge on the offense, I'm going to pick them to win this game, but I'm going to go 23-17 to 17 for the sheer fact that Aaron Rodgers is on the team and Taylor Haneke is on the other team. They have a better running back core, and yes, the better coaching will play a role in this game as well too. So 23-17, um, the only way this, this game is close is if the commanders get some pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And you saw last week, you saw last week, when you get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, he gets rattled. He gets rattled, doesn't have enough time to throw and whatnot. But I think that he doesn't do that twice in back-to-back weeks where he takes too long to throw the football and cause plays to be negated as far as just big play potential and whatnot. So I'm going to go pack with 23-17. Giants and Jaguars. I'm picking the Jaguars. I am picking the Jaguars. Here's why. Guys, I am not a big believer in this Giants squad. I am really not. I am really not. And the it's going to be the similar thing of the Giants are going to stay in the game. They're going to manage the game properly to the point where they're going to have a chance to win the game late on. But the Jaguars, I think that they move the football well enough. I do believe that Trevor Lawrence is not playing the best in the past two weeks, but they're still moving the football considerably well. And on top of that, Giants on the road, you know, a top 10 defense they're facing. I, I just think that when they you put all these factors into play, I don't really see the Giants winning this game. I, I just don't. And the Jaguars can do a number as far as just stopping the run enough for them to make them one-dimensional. Deion Jones has been playing well, but will it be enough you know, it's all about will it be enough? Will it be enough? Will it be enough? All these ifs and buts, buts, right? But for me, the Jaguars at home, I don't really see them dropping another loss and, and fall into three straight losses. So I'm going to go with them. I'm going to pick a scoreline of 25 to 24. I think it will be that close, you know? Um, actually, no, I, I don't think they're going to score that many points. I'm going to go 19 to 20. That's why I go. 19 to 20. That Jaguars are favored in that game by three points. Um, as far as the spread is concerned, I would pick the Giants, obviously, 19 and 20. But I, I really am not a big believer in this Giants squad. I'm really not. And I think that think that this week is where it comes to end. Where they they're riding high and you know they're winning games. But I think this week is where it comes to an end, guys. I, I really think so. Buccaneers and Panthers, sucky Panthers, sucky Buccaneers, ooh, suckaneers. Jeez, these guys suck. Man, anyways, what can I say? What, what 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 can I really say about this game? 
I mean, the Buccaneers are favored by 13 points, which is a lot. <laughs> a lot. And based off of what I saw last week, I am not taking that spread at all. I am not. The Panthers, to me, yes, you just got rid of Christian McCaffrey. You got rid of Robbie Anderson. But the Buccaneers, and what bodes well for the Panthers, is that they have no offense working for them right now. And the defense is still playing good enough. But the offense, the offense is like, ugh, I don't know. So I can see a scoreline of where, you know, they lose this game. Definitely, the Panthers do. But to lose by 13 points, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to go 20 to 10. 20 to 10. You know, I think 13 is a bit too much. And for the Bucks' sake, we've been saying this in the past couple of weeks. They haven't really shown me anything as far as just big playability, as far as consistently being a threat on offense. And it's, at some point in time, we have to go over the idea of it's injuries that's causing them to look this bad. No, it's, it's the whole entire offense. They're not getting anything going. There is no running game as far as just being consistent in that department. Tom Brady is not looking the best of himself. And you see why I said early on in the season that the pressure is on him. It's, it's on him because he's coming back. He wants to prove to all the world himself that, that he could do a job well. So far, that job is not being done. You're three and three. You're not looking too good. The division is still in reach, believe it or not. The Falcons are tied with you for the division lead. That is insane. <laughs> that is really insane. So I don't know, but I'm going to go a score line of 20 to 10. Either way, regardless of what happens, similar to last week with the Rams, I don't think that beating the Panthers will answer more questions for me for the Buccaneers as it did with the Rams. They're still a team that has a lot of kinks to work out with and a lot of things to go over, but I'm not confident at all. I'm really not. Browns and Ravens, I'm picking the Ravens. The Browns, to me, find a way to mess up everything every week. Every week. Every single week. Whew. Bless me. I, I just sneeze. But anyways, you know, the Ravens, for me, you don't have J.K. Dobbins. He will be out for the next four to six weeks. I get that. But Lamar Jackson, though, Lamar Jackson has proven to still find ways to make plays. Not going to take away the fact that he made a dumb play last week against the Giants. But the, the, the Browns, once again, have not shown me anything. And it's proven that, you know, they will have a running game this week. They definitely will. But I'm not worried about the running game. I'm worried about Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett is the guy that I'm worried about. He is a single guy on this team that can change the momentum for the other team. That as in like he could he could put the team that he's facing in a better position to win that game, and last week the the, the past couple of weeks we've seen that. So I'm going Ravens here, twenty three to sixteen. Um, but it, it it will be a game where you know the Ravens have to play a little bit better. They can't make the same blunders. It's a division matchup, so you know you should be up for that matchup as well. But I'm going with the Ravens at home though. Texans and Raiders. Raiders at one and four, Texans at one, three, and one. What the hell type of matchup is this? Raiders, give me the Raiders coming off of a bye. Um, since last Monday, I believe, right? Which is good for them. Uh, they're favored by seven points. I think that I will take that spread. Um, not because the Texans are gonna get blown out. I think they'll probably win by eight points the most. But because I don't really see anything aside from the running game. There's no passing game to challenge the, the Raiders downfield and the Raiders can be exposed of when you have a good passing game but Davis Mills 
hasn't gotten it going. And yes, they're coming off of a bye too. But Brandon Cooks, Hollins, no, sorry, not Matt Collins, I believe, hasn't really gotten it going for this team. I only see that Damian Pierce is looking really good. But if you're a smart coach, as you should be, and Josh McDaniels, you should know that we 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 put the ball in his hands, Davis Mills' hands, and force him to beat us. We stack the box because Damian Pierce, we are not going to let Damian Pierce beat us. So I'm going to go 27 to 17. No, actually, 27 to 8. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll go 27 to 17. I'll go 27 to 17. Raiders. Seahawks and Chargers. You know what's funny? This should be a really entertaining factor of this week, watching these two, these two teams play. So it's funny because the Seahawks have the one positive that I have seen in the past couple of weeks that the Chargers fail to stop every single week. What is that, my friends? Running the damn rock. Ooh-wee. Kenneth Walker will be coming for these boys' heads. Will be coming for their heads. Man. And if it wasn't for the terrible past secondary, aside from Kobe Bryant probably and Tariq Woolen, I may be leaning towards the Seahawks on this one. But because I don't know what the status of the game will be for Keenan Allen, as far as, as as him coming back into this matchup, I'm not sure. You know, Mike Williams, I don't think he's going to be quiet twice, two weeks in a row. And Justin Herbert is a better QB than Geno Smith. Austin Eckler as well, too. That's the reason why. But we saw last week the Seahawks put immense pressure on Kyler Murray to keep themselves in that game and to win by 10 points. So if we could do the same thing against Justin Herbert, I could see this, this win happening. The spread for this game is five. I would take the Seahawks spread, plus five. Seriously, I don't think they're going to get blown out in this game. I don't think at all. Because Geno Smith can make plays in this passing game. Kenneth Walker can thrash these guys. And if these guys are smart, Pete Carroll, I know you're smart. I know you are smart, Pete Carroll. If you are as smart as you think I am, give Kenneth Walker the ball 25 times plus in this game. 25 plus times. I'm telling you. They cannot stop the football when it comes to the running game. They cannot stop the running game at all in any against any team. So run the football down their throats. Please do that. But either way, it should be a tight affair. I'm going to go charge the 27 to, to 24. But to me, I would not be surprised if the Seahawks pull this one out. I really would not be. Chiefs and Niners. Chiefs are favored by two points. I'm going with the Chiefs. Because the Niners, to me, it's not based off of the, the the Niners and who they are as a team. It's it's purely based off of injuries. Purely. I mean, I'm I'm not sure of the status of any of these players. I actually got a notification regarding regarding um the status of Nick Bolson and whatnot. I think that they, these guys are questionable, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. What I do know is that. Oh, yeah. No, no. So I have it right here. Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Jimmy Ward are not on the injury report. Actually, they're good to go. Ooh. Ooh. It's a good thing for breaking news. Man, what, are, what was I saying? You know what? You know what? I'm still going with the Chiefs, but this changes everything. It changes a lot. 
the game will be in reach for the Niners. They can win this game because they pose problems. Pressure up front, a good pass secondary. They pose problems for the Chiefs. Ooh-wee, I don't know. You know what, guys? I think the Chiefs will still eke this one out. They will they'll squeak it out. But I can see a slugfest happening. I can see a 20-17 to 17 matchup. I really can. Because that defense will pose a lot of problems. And for the Pat- Patrick Mahomes and his play style, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to run, run around as much because this defense is fast. They are fast, and they can get after the QB, and they can chase down anybody. So I'm going to go Chiefs here. But once again, another matchup that I will not be surprised if they won. So we'll see what happens on that time. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Steelers and Dolphins. I'm not sure who picked this matchup to be on Sunday Night Football, but whatever. Steelers and Dolphins. I, I'll go Dolphins here. Two returns from his injury from a concussion. Uh, and I, I do believe that they will play much better football. You saw that when he was playing football, he looked pretty good. He looked enough to win the games that they, will, that, that, that they were in. And for the Steelers' standpoint, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, I don't, I don't believe that they're going to have enough to get it done against this Dolphins cover zero look. Josh Borer does a great job of mixing up results. And whether it's either of these two QBs, I think it will be better if they face Trubisky because he has seen some of these things. But Kenny Pickett, probably not. So it'd probably be worse if he plays, in my opinion. But what I will say is that the Dolphins can match up well against these Steelers receivers, and they also can get pressure. So I'm going to go 27-17 to too as well for this matchup. Uh, and I, I do think that Tua will play much better. We'll see a much more dosage of getting Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waller to football and being much more explosive in the past couple of weeks than it, you know than it was before he went out. So I, I think that we'll see much more down the field passing and, you know, just a bigger scoreline for the Dolphins, at least. The only thing that the Steelers can make this game much more manageable in this department is stopping the run and then forcing Tour to throw the football to then where you could put back eight people in coverage and maybe force them to pick you apart that way. But I'm going to go Dolphins 27-17 to in this matchup. Finally, Bears and Patriots. A little preview of Monday Night Football. Bears, man, they're going to get scrapped in this game. They're going to get scrapped. Patriots favored by 7.5 in that matchup. Uh, Whoo-wee. I think the Patriots blow them out. I really do. I, I, it's going to be a scoreline for me, 30 to 13. I'm not going to lie. Maybe even less for the Bears, for the Bears. Because it, for you to score seven points against the Commanders, the commanders last week actually screw it. I want to go 30 to freaking seven again, because what I saw from last week was an inability to move the ball against that front. And, you know, the front is pretty good, but the whole entire defense is not, which is what I'm getting at here. And there's too many drop passes. There's too many lackluster play calling. You know, there's too much of Justin Fields not seeing the football field. Well, I'm not sure that bodes well for him at all. And when you go up against Bill Belichick and you know that he has a number for these young QBs, I don't see how, and especially since they don't really have a good offensive coordinator anyway. Luke Getzky, doing a, he's doing an okay job, but I thought he could have been more creative last time around, which he was not. So either way, I'm going with the Patriots here at home, especially, whether it be Bailey Zappi 
or Mac Jones, which I think probably will be Billy Zappi. But they also have to defend the run too, which they probably can't. So yeah, I'm going Patriots here in a blowout win. In a blowout win. All right, guys. That is the picks for week seven. Be sure to check out and see if I was right next week, which I probably will go over every week and we'll see exactly if I'm right. Hopefully I am right because you know if, if I were if I were a betting man and I am a betting man, I would put bread on everything that I counted off so far. And I would be a millionaire by now. But we'll see what happens. Now let's get into some NBA score lines. Now only two matchups last night. And we have first off the Bucks and 76ers in the close one. No Middleton, obviously, but the Bucks coming on the road and win that game. Star performer for me, obviously. Now, obviously, it has to be honest. Has to be. 21 points, 13 boards, 8 assists. Did an all-around performance to win that matchup. For the losing team, the 76ers, who are now 0-2. Big performance by James Harden once again. 31 points. Didn't shoot the best from the free last night, but had 8 rebounds and 9 assists. Once again, a near triple-double. So he is doing his part. He is doing his part. It's up to guys like Joel Embiid, Maxi to to chip in and do their part. But we'll see what happens on as the season goes on. It's only two games. You know, you really shouldn't start panicking until like about maybe the tenth game, and you're still not you're still not doing well, or you don't see flashes of doing well for the season. Lakers and Clippers, Clippers forever and will forever have this team's number, and they did last night. 103-97 win over the Lakers uh, on the road, quote-unquote. Kawhi Leonard is back in the building, happy for my guy to get some more minutes and to get some things under his belt, so I'm happy for him. He played well, and I will give him, actually, I will give him the best performance of last night because he made a couple of big shots late in the game that put the game out of reach for me. And, yes, he did his thing. On the Lakers' side of things, um... Once again, not a great shooting performance from the three-point line, but for the star performer, I'll give it to Anthony Davis. He was the most efficient, 25 points, eight rebounds, and, you know, shot 50% from the three. Everyone else was pretty much terrible <laughs> from the three-point line, so I'll, I'll give it to him. He was the best three-point shooter of the team last night. That's not good enough. Let's go through our predictions for tonight's matchups. Celtics and Heat, I got the Heat winning this matchup, even though the Celtics are favored in this matchup by two points. I just think that we can't lose back-to-back games. I, I, that's what I'm thinking right here. We cannot, and we just cannot lose back-to-back games. So I'm going with the Heat in this matchup. Uh, Pelicans and Hornets, I'll go Pelicans, obviously. Spurs and Pacers, hmm. I'll go, I'll, uh, I'll go Spurs here again. I'll go Spurs here again. I like what I saw from last time, even though they got blown out. But I, I'll go Spurs here. Bulls and Wizards. I'll go Wizards on this one. Magic and Hawks. I'll go Hawks. Raptors and Nets. Ooh. I'll go Nets. I'll go Nets. Pistons and Knicks. I'll go Knicks on this one. Grizzlies and Rockets. Give me the Grizzlies. Jazz and Timberwolves. I'll go... Mm. Give me the Jazz on the road. Give me the Jazz on the road, guys. Nuggets and Warriors. Mm. This is going to be a nice matchup. Give me the Warriors. And last but not least, the Suns and Trailblazers. Give me the Suns. All right, there goes our rapid predictions. Be sure, once again. You know, actually, I'm not going to go over these predictions anyway. But let's hope and see I'm right for these uh, predictions for tonight's matchups. Anyways, guys, what a great performance by yours truly. You know, because I am performing, I am talking. So whatever, it is what it is. But everyone, have a great week. Make sure to continue to subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
to like and comment on the TikTok videos, on the Twitter videos, on the IG videos, everything, man, everything. And we will be back next week to talk some more sports with you guys. And we are out.